Hello, hello, my loves. Bienvenidos. Welcome to my podcast. I'm Katrina Arvandaris, and I'm your host. I'm also a somatic therapist, sex and intimacy coach, and I'm the founder of Essencia, an online subscription platform launching this fall with sex education, sensual yoga, and other embodiment practices to support you in feeling fully alive in your body again. Meditation, breath work, movement, you name it. In this podcast, I invite you into my journey through sexuality and all things alive and evolutionary in my heart. Join me as I open the door to my most intimate and vulnerable moments and share some of the wisdom I've gained through over 30 years of tantric and embodiment practices. This is, disclaimer, a shame-slaying podcast. So, if you're not quite ready to get rid of that shame, this might not be the podcast for you, but if you are ready to step into that fire transformation, this is the place and this is the space for you. This will nourish your heart's blossoming, your reclamation of outrageous pleasure, your fuck yes energy, and your transformation into your most empowered self. Are you ready for this? <laughs> if you are enjoying this podcast, please rate and review so we can get this out to people all around the world desiring to dive into this beautiful experience along with us. Okay, love you all. Let's dive in. Hello, 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 beautiful beings and lovely souls. I am Katrina. This is the first podcast that I'm recording. It's actually, I don't know, maybe the hundredth time I've recorded a podcast for the first time. Um, and this one in particular, it's my second time. So I'm here on the big islands in a beautiful, magical town called Pahoa. It's a lovely hippie paradise. It's a little nook and cranny in the corner of the universe that feels so nourishing and just the perfect space for me to be in this moment while I rejuvenate and restore my nervous system. Um, I'm from Hawaii originally and I've been back home in Hawaii since September of last year. And I must say, as small as these islands are and as popular as they are, and being that they are part of the United States, they've changed so rapidly over the years. And Oahu just feels like a huge clusterfuck. People are loving it, especially as of COVID. I hear a lot of people have moved there and I see it. And it just feels overcrowded. I really felt like I got vomited out of Oahu. And I'm really happy that it spit me out onto this beautiful, magical paradise. So here we are. This episode is going to be on transcendent and cervical orgasms. I recently had a cervical orgasm, and so that is the inspiration for the topic. Let's start first with the transcendental orgasm. I have had the great fortune to experience energetic orgasms through my body, through my being, uh, from a very young age. And yeah, <laughs> where to go from there? <laughs> Let's start with my most powerful transcendental orgasm. Because there's a whole spectrum of orgasm that we can experience in our bodies, and especially as feminine embodied. And I've experienced so many ranges of orgasm throughout my lifetime since a young, young, young age. And the most powerful of them all up until recently, <laughs> now it's debatable, 
was my transcendental orgasm on pilgrimage. Now, when people hear me say pilgrimage, unless you've been on a very intentional spiritual or religious journey, that word itself brings up a lot of mystery. So let me clarify. In 2018, when my mom passed away, she was uh, hit by a car and her death was pretty immediate. I went on pilgrimage. I put everything, I lived in New York City at the time, put everything in storage. Well, my roommates put it in storage for me. (laughs) They graciously kicked me out of the house and put everything in storage. I was quite angry at first and then I was like, wait, you all just did me a great favor. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, universe. And that's a story for another time. And then I left. I traveled to see and spend time with my teachers, my yoga teachers. I had been studying and practicing yoga since I was about four years old. And I moved to New York City in 2013 so that I could sort of get like a sampler of the different teachers who were traveling into the city and sharing their teachings or the teachers who were based there and the different practices that were available. New York City is great for that. Get a nice little taste of everything there. Uh, So yeah, everything went into storage and I said, now is the time for me to go deeper into my practices and spend time full on with my teachers. So I became a full-time student of yoga and tantra and uh, at the time, I was pretty deep into Kundalini practices, and so I decided I would start there. And uh, I started a teacher training that fall, and then I jumped to another teacher training uh, that winter. And it was probably the year after. Yeah, it was about a year after that I was in our morning practice which was probably like five or six in the morning two hour practice that I began to have the most powerful orgasms ever and I would describe this as all of the like most powerful orgasms in the universe multiplied by a million trillion (laughs) gazillion It was just words. It was beyond words. Words could not capture the experience of what what happened. Um, Now, let me preface this with the fact that I uh, was experiencing intense shooting pain, like a heating, piercing pain. That was the word I used because that's exactly what I felt like. It was like a piercing energy from my pelvic area shooting up all the way to the crown of my head and it was painful and this was as a result of many things Um, but I had cultivated the ability to really enliven a powerful energetic force of shakti of energy of prana shakti of chi but I didn't know how to be with that energy you know the point of the practices in kundalini are to the breathwork practices and the kumbhaks or the breath holds uh, is to infuse the body with as much life force as possible in such a short amount of time prana now we have energy channels that are mapped throughout the subtle body and subtler than the physical And in traditional Chinese medicine, these are meridians. In Vedic or Tantric uh, 
um, studies. These are the nadis, N-A-D-I. And you could think of these as like veins that are running through the course of the body and enabling circulation of blood through all the different organ systems. In a subtler sense, they run through the entirety of the body and they're circulating not blood per se, though they support that, they're circulating prana, energy. And we have blockages a lot of times in these uh, nadis. And we engage practices to help clear those channels to allow the energy to move more fluidly so that it can vivify and support optimal health. Now, emotional blockages are one example of uh, manifestation on a more physical realm, a more gross level, I should say, of a blockage in the subtle body. Now, a very popular practice that we engage in the yogic tradition is breath work to help to move prana forcibly through these nadis, these channels, and to clear out those blocks. As they're clearing out the blockages, this is when we start to get uh, the detoxification of the system, um, manifesting as um, shakes in the body, um, maybe sounds coming out, audible um, events happening for the person. Essentially, the nervous system starts to um, starts to detox and unstress. So we engage these intense breathwork practices in Kundalini. And at that time, I started with Kundalini as taught by Yogi Pajan. So, you know, he had created his system uh, to cater to the audience of his time, which were hippies who were loving up on each other, loving up on drugs. And these intense breathwork practices that he gave them were intended to clear those nadis and purify those nadis. So these were ha- these are breathwork practices that had to meet the intensity of the lifestyle that they were engaging in. So this is like fiery breathwork practice. So I'm engaging in this practice for a while before pilgrimage even started. And then I went full on into it um, at a teacher training. And this piercing energy had started before the teacher training, um, but it only amplified and vivified. And so I ended up at a different Kundalini uh, center in India later that year. And I asked my teacher, who was a radical young dude, I said, you know, teacher, (laughs) I won't say his name. (laughs) I whistle blew on him for his conduct in the retreat center. Uh, Not my proudest moment, but at the same time, you know, I don't condone his behavior. And um, karmically, it was an experience that we were all meant to go through in so many ways. So I sat in a private meeting with him and I said, you know, teacher, I am experiencing an intense pain in our kriyas, uh, our practice, our yogic practice in the morning. Uh, And it's feeling like it needs a release but I don't know if it's okay for me to 
do that because I'm not sure what's going to happen once I let it go. But it hurts so much and I really don't know what to do. And he said, that's okay. You let it go. We don't, we don't try to force, force it. We don't try to control it. We don't try to contain it. You just let, let the energy flow. Uh, and he used, <laughs> he gave an example of people who contain it. Cause that's the way that I was taught in my prior training was build the energy up. I guess I should give you more clarification. So the point of this is that we're building the container to maintain energy, to maintain the intensity, to be with that intensity. In order to maintain a container, we have to cap that container. We have to build the energy and hold it in. We can't let it leak out. And that's the point of the locks, the bandhas that we learn in yogic practice. So they teach us to build that energy, intense breath work, intense breath work, and then take a deep breath in and hold it and pull the locks. <laughs> and I'm a fiery person by nature. So you tell me to pull my locks, I'm going to pull it really hard. And actually I learned the whole intention of locks are meant to be subtle. All of these practices are meant to move more into the subtle. So I'm engaging with extreme intensity, my physicality of the locks, <laughs> squeezing my perineum, my anus, and my sex organs in and out, my abdomen, and my neck lock. And I'm holding the energy, and I've got a lot of energy because I've got a lot of intensity, and I've built it all up. <laughs> and it just hurts like fuck. <laughs> Fast forward to India. And my teacher says, let it go. <laughs> You're going to end up rigid like all those other people who just hold it in. You don't want to walk around looking like a rigid thing. Like, just let energy flow. So I let it flow. And lo and behold, it was the most expansive, <laughs> most infinitely like blissful and purifying orgasmic experience I have ever had in my life. I felt a sense of completion. You know, before that, anytime I, uh, anytime I consummated my sexual energy through masturbation or through just attentive awareness, like I gave it more energy through attention, it turned into a feverishness, a hungry ghost energy. It was insatiable. It was as if I could never find completion. It was always searching for the next, for the next, as though maybe a bigger orgasm would allow me to feel like I could just exhale and move on from that. But no, it consumed my entirety of my being. Not so in this transcendental orgasm. It could have gone on forever because the energy was infinite of what was happening. The orgasm happened to me, you know, very much like I surrendered to an intense surge of energy from the universe, just clarifying my emotional, my mental, my spiritual and my physical being. And the microcosmic orbit that Mantak Chia speaks a lot about in the Taoist tradition, sexual practices. 
I had practiced it prior to pilgrimage with a lot of force and a lot of attention, a lot of awareness, you know, visualizing the heat rising up and the waterfall drawing down the front of my body. (laughs) And then fast forward to India, I'm in my meditation practice or my breathwork practice, my yogic practice, and a spontaneous orbit is starting to take over me. This, it was as if I was plugged straight into the energetic system of the universe and it was orbiting the entirety of my being and clarifying and purifying the nadis, clearing out the meridians, clearing out all of the blockages. And it felt so liberating. It felt so powerful. It felt like the magnitude of universes upon universes upon universes. <laughs> I was like, no like manually stimulated orgasm or mentally you know, stimulated energetic orgasm <laughs> could possibly meet the immensity of this. Why bother? <laughs> this was like it. And on top of that, the visual experience in my mind of what was happening was incredible there was a movie that I stepped into a reality that I stepped into where I became Durga Durga is a goddess uh, representing um, she's a goddess in the Vedic pantheon Vedic or tantric I can't remember right now the um, origin of her who is known to be the destruction of ego She chops heads off. She's a ruthless goddess of liberation. Any whiff of ego, and she will swiftly slice the head off of it. And I became Durga on a lion very gracefully and powerfully treading through the forest not treading we were like bulldozing through the forest and slicing off all of the heads of ego through all of the experiences i mean you know when i say all i don't mean all but (laughs) certainly many of my past like my past experiences in this lifetime Memories of experiences I had gone through that I had not processed. Stories that I held on to in experiences that I had. Clarity came. I could see very clearly the root of the experience. I could see the experience itself for what it was, not what I felt it to be. And it was so clarifying. It was so liberating. And it allowed me to experience a deep sense of love for those who were involved and as well as for myself, a deep sense of compassion and forgiveness and understanding of our humanity. And all of this happening in the sense of timelessness. This was my transcendental experience of orgasm on pilgrimage. And this doesn't even encapsulate the immense like, beauty of what that was. Uh, so I was celibate at that time. And I had the good fortune of having wonderful supports on my path during that time, really allowing me to maintain my celibacy. I broke it twice, you know, in in bouts of depression, 
But that is not relevant to what I'm getting at here. The celibacy, along with my ability to tune into and to master my sexual energy, to have that nuanced perception of my energy through the practices that I had been doing, allowed me to transmute, allowed me to transform that sexual energy, that yin, powerful sexual energy into a healing, healing energy. It soothed like balm the wounds of my spirit. It was, it was beyond, beyond. So, uh, that, that was beautiful. And I, I really wanted to, to iterate, you know, the importance that that celibacy really helped me to cultivate that sexual energy um, in a way where it could internalize and provide this incredible healing experience. And not everyone needs to go through celibacy for that. However, if you have the capacity to work with your energy and because you have cultivated that capacity in this lifetime, celibacy can be a very powerful way to begin to master the sexual energy. One of many different ways a person can do it in this lifetime. Now, recently, fast forward to the cervical orgasm. Um, I broke my celibacy last year, last spring, last spring or summer, I can't remember, spring, late spring. And so sexual experiences for me are quite new. I feel like a virgin. I feel like I'm rediscovering my body, my desires, because I'm also a different person. After going through an intense pilgrimage of discovering myself and letting go of my stories and stepping into a higher version and a higher expression of me and embodying my spirit rather than my ego more and more, this entry into sexuality is a curious like foray and discovery of of me in in a new way of being so very recently i had a casual partner really beautiful beautiful spirit of a man i love this boy um i say that because he's young <laughs> man boy and he provided the energy, the presence that unlocked the experience of a lifetime for me that I will never forget. I felt a strong sense of safety in his presence. And I'll get into this in a little bit, but I really want to get into the orgasm itself. Cervical orgasm. So the cervix is anywhere from about three to four inches on average from the entryway of the of the vagina into the vaginal canal. And during arousal, it can extend up to about seven inches. Dependent on one partner's size, a cervical orgasm is either possible through penetrative uh, cock and vagina sex or would require a toy such as a glass dildo and there are many different meridian points different 
pressure points throughout the vagina and as well as the vulva. And so, you know, there's an energetic experience that's happening. There's a subtle experience that's happening as a cock is um, facilitating or pressing against these different points of the vagina. And specifically as it relates to the cervix, this meridian point or the meridian points that are just around it are connected to the heart as well as the crown. And the vagus nerve is running through the, um, through the throat, through the heart, and down through the cervix. It's innervated by three nerve groups, including parasympathetic and sympathetic nerves. And so it's a very powerful, powerful sexual organ. And Montak Chia in the Taoist sexual tradition speaks to the three gates. He speaks about the clitoris, the head of the clitoris, the very external head, the G-spot, and the cervix, or just external to the cervix, right next to the os, the entryway, the points just around it, um, as the three gates. He refers to these as the three gates that are necessary for female ejaculation, one opening the other and leading to the other, and refers to the cervical orgasm as the most superior of orgasms. And I uh, want to say that it's definitely my favorite orgasm though it's certainly a blended orgasm blended meaning it comes from you know as a cock is entering the vagina it's stimulating this um, the clitoris it's certainly stimulating um, parts of the clitoris um, since the clitoris does extend beyond the very tip externally and then innervates the body or um, inerts or in inserts into the vagina <laughs> So a cock going in and out can stimulate the clitoris in this way. Um, but certainly, yes, you know, the chronology that he introduces of stimulating the clitoris first, then the G-spot, and then the cervix certainly makes sense experientially. It absolutely does. Um, is it absolutely necessary? No, every woman's going to be different. The access that she has to her own pleasure and the de-armoring that she has or the ability to soften and receive is going to be different. Some women, many women will probably absolutely require this, but there are some women who can be completely open from a very energetic and emotional state they can release into the physical. I do want to speak to how beautiful this orgasm is and how reminiscent the orgasm was of my transcendental orgasm. It was in my past you know, after deep reflection, I do recall having cervical orgasms, but this has been such a long time. It's been about 15 years. They were mostly stimulated. They were pretty much all stimulated through doggy style. And this time was my first time, this recent time, um, first time receiving it at my own pace completely through Cowgirl. And I got to tell you, that was amazing. I went to town. <laughs> Each time the head of the cock hit the os of my cervix, it was as though it was pressing a button that opened up a portal into <laughs> the like entirety of the cosmos. 
and this huge energy field started shimmering up from my pelvic region through the entirety of my body upwards and outwards. All borders between me and anything else started to completely dissolve. So I felt a deep mm, connection to the cosmos, everything around me as well as to my partner. It was as though I was completely transformed into a different space and at the same time completely present in our space. It was uh, a beautiful experience of like a tidal wave of energy moving upwards and outwards and a purifying nature and it was very soft and at the same time growing, expanding, building. And I could have gone for hours. And this is something that you might commonly hear in the context of a cervical orgasm where there's almost like an insatiability, but I wouldn't call it insatiability. I would just say that it was a different experience of orgasm that didn't require an ending per se. It didn't require a completion. It was as though there was a purifying essence to the longevity of being in that experience and I didn't want to stop because it was like the beginning and the entryway into an evolutionary experience that was enlightening and it brought me back to the experience of being in my transcendental orgasm only difference is that my transcendental orgasm on pilgrimage was not manually stimulated in any way it was completely like physically stimulated through breathwork practice, through moving my, my bandhas, through the energetic kumbhaks, the holds of the breath, and rolling my eyes in and up. <laughs> but there wasn't anything penetrating me except for the energy of the universe. In this case, I felt like his cock was the cock of the cosmos. And it was <laughs> beyond this world. <laughs> certainly, certainly wanted and desired a clitoral orgasm, a blended clitoral orgasm um, to bring completion to it, but also didn't need it. It did not need it. It felt so clarifying in and of itself. And Kimanami would describe this orgasm as something that she could replace therapy with. <laughs> it is that purifying, that clarifying, that healing. Um, and I would have to agree on a level for sure. Uh, I wouldn't replace therapy though because, you know, I'm training to become a mental health therapist and I believe in therapy. <laughs> I don't think it's something to replace. So I want to compare it to other orgasms that we can have through the other sexual organs that we have in the feminine body. So a clitoral orgasm, not my favorite, tends to be very like jerky, intense and quick and short-lived. And it's a beautiful experience to have, don't get me wrong, but when it's blended, I love my clitoral orgasms to be blended, but when it's facilitated typically with a new partner, um, historically, right? 
you know, I haven't had sex in many years because of my, um, because of my celibacy. So my experiences prior were unlike my experiences that are happening now. They tend to be just very jerky, very much like a peak orgasm and then a fall into like energy just kind of disperses from the body. So a very external depleting kind of an orgasm. Comparing that to the cervical orgasm, which feels more internal and energizing and resourcing orgasm, definitely my preferred and there's a slight pulsation of the cervix that happens during this orgasm in a fully blended orgasm for me that pulsation that contracting of that um, pelvic diaphragm and the urogenital all of it coming together it's very intense and very beautiful and it could be elongated and I love that but in and of itself just having the very subtle orgasm through the cervical stimulation was powerful now not all women are going to easily be able to access a cervical orgasm even if their partner is sized enough to meet their cervix why is that uh, just typically with any human body not everyone is with the same tension and awareness and trauma tends to keep us from experiencing sensations that are pleasurable right what happens when we experience a trauma we lock up we block the energy from flowing through we don't want energy to flow because we don't want to go through that experience we don't want to be re-triggered we don't want to experience the emotions that are going to come through and so oftentimes you might hear people say, oh, this cervical orgasm is not something that you can just, you know, phone in or that you can have on like a casual encounter. And I disagree. If you have cultivated a sense of safety within yourself, you can absolutely experience this orgasm in a casual encounter, just as I did. And there are other parameters that can allow you to experience that safety. So we have the level of your internal frame of reference, right? You have cultivated a deep sense of knowingness in your own self that you feel your safety. That also translates to you identifying partners who you can experience that safety with, right? You're more adaptable, you're, le you're more resilient, at the same time, you're also more discerning. Triple that with the circumstances of the situation. In our case, we were very clear that it was a casual encounter, right? So it, there was a lot of clarity in that, which allowed me to release and let go into the knowingness of what this is and how I can really make the best of this time and this experience that I'm having. Now, those of us who are holding a lot of trauma that are that is preventing, or even how about a lack of just simple awareness, like a numbness, you know, that may not even be due to tension. It could just be due to the fact that we haven't explored that part of the body, right? There are de-armoring practices that can be employed um, in self-practice to help to build and cultivate an awareness of sensation in that area, to release stored tension, to release trauma, to allow energy to flow through in a space of safety that you create for yourself to allow grief to come through if that's what's wanting to come through, anger to come through, softness, 
sadness, joy, bliss, whatever it is, but creating a safety and trusting that you can hold and maintain the energy of what's going to be traveling through when you release and let go and allow yourself to feel, to feel, to deeply feel in your body. That is such a gift when you allow yourself to feel the depths of your emotions, how that opens you up to the peaks and valleys of pleasure that exist within your being. So that about sums it up. The beauty of the cervical orgasm, characterized by intense full body pleasure, and compared to clitoral orgasms, which tend to be a bit more localized, and blended orgasms with a mixture of the two or three or all different spots because we have many different, according to Mantuk Chia, we have at least 25 different sexual reflexology points throughout the entirety of the vagina and vulva area, right? So imagine when all of that is being stimulated and being stimulated in a way that is mm, unfolding an energetic experience that really meets you in a, in a most enlivening way, what that experience can be for you. Um, so blended, I love blended orgasms that, and I absolutely love the cervical, but you get filled with a sense of euphoria, a very slow yin and deep profound experience of a growing essence of euphoric bliss. And it can last even beyond the encounter itself, right? There's a, there's a sustaining energy in that orgasm relative to a clitoral localized orgasm, right? On the head of the clitoris where it's a quick fix and in most cases, in my experience, at least, that orgasm was meant more for my um, partner's pleasure. You know, back when I didn't really know how to look after my pleasure very well, it was something that pleased my partner because they would feel as though they had accomplished something, right? Because it was very spasmodic. And they would assume through my spasmodic nature that they com- like they fulfilled the mission of providing me an orgasm, regardless of whether I would say that was not an orgasm for me. <laughs> I just did not consider it an orgasm. Now I do. I accept it as an orgasm. I just don't accept it as an orgasm that I prefer or desire. I want it to be blended. So it's medicinal. It's a medicinal experience because it's lasting. There is more of an opportunity for energy to flow through Whereas in a short localized experience, there's not much space for energy to flow through. And what is emotion? That's energy in motion. How often have I met people who express that orgasm was an opportunity for them to like bellow out in tears, to have catharsis. Catharsis was my transcendental orgasm, incredibly powerfully cathartic loud i didn't even realize how loud i was it was just happening because a catharsis was happening i was clearing i was purifying i was being healed by this beautiful powerful yin like immense infinite sexual energy that i had access to that i allowed to flow through me can we allow ourselves to open up the gates within our body, to open up our meridians, to open up the channels, to allow this energy to flow. Can we let go? 
that does require safety and that safety requires intense self-work really spending time with yourself going deep and allowing yourself to fully feel so this is my episode number one on cervical orgasm i look forward to sharing another episode on it the more i get it (laughs) i'm i'm calling it in i'm calling in more cervical orgasms i am magnetizing a lifetime of cervical bliss and sending all the love to you big hugs big kisses and see you in the next episode bye thank you my loves for joining me on this journey i hope that this episode was fruitful for you to access any resources reference please visit the episode page at katrinax.com where you'll find the podcast archive if you enjoy this podcast please subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify and youtube like and leave a review or comment and share with your friends and loves Espero que hayas disfrutado este episodio. Gracias por darte este espacio conmigo. 